our whole service today. Uh, it is our first time, and so we're testing some things out. Be patient with us. Hopefully, it'll just get better and better uh, the more we go along. But so many people have put just a ton of work into this project, and I'm grateful for them. But welcome. Glad you're worshiping with us today. My condolences to those of you who have allergies. Uh, what a terrible allergy time as there are yellow clouds everywhere. But thanks for being here and, and worshiping with us. It is the beginning of Holy Week. Uh, Easter season is upon us. Easter, in some ways, is all about searching. It's about hunting and searching. Uh, some people are searching for the right clothes. Like some people still do that. They they find get a nice new outfit for Easter Sunday, or maybe they get a new outfit for the kids for Easter Sunday. So they're searching for the right clothes. Uh, uh, so, some people are searching for the right menu. Like what are we going to cook? What are we going to eat for Easter lunch? How many people are coming over? Where are we going to meet? Are we going to somebody's house? Or trying to figure all of those things out. Uh, some people are searching for the new flavor of Peeps. Let me, let me just find out who I'm dealing with. How many of you like Peeps, the marshmallow things? How many of you like Peeps? I'm just going to pray for the rest of you. The Peeps are the best. Peeps are the best. I don't know... What there is to not like about peeps, peeps are awesome. Uh, obviously, it's also the season of Easter egg hunts, right? So finding, searching, looking for Easter eggs. We're going to have an Easter egg hunt after uh, the 11 o'clock service. If uh, it's not too late to, to join us for that, we're going to have hamburgers and hot dogs and kids are going to have an Easter egg hunt and a petting zoo, rain or shine, we're going to make it happen. So that's going to be right after the 11 o'clock service. But, but it is a season of hunting and finding and, and looking. I, I was online this week just trying to find out what are people doing as far as Easter egg hunts this season. In the, in, in the season of COVID and social distancing, how are, how are people managing their egg hunts as we were getting ready to host an egg hunt? I discovered Throughout Atlanta, there are adult Easter egg hunts. Did you know this was a thing? Somehow I missed that memo. I, I, I did not see that in years past, but there are adult Easter egg hunts throughout Atlanta. The prizes uh, are more things that adults would like. They're not eggs or candy, but they're, they're prizes that adults would like. So weird thing, I, I discovered that that is actually happening. But Easter egg hunts are, are all about finding what's hidden, searching for what is hidden, and finding it. Now, I, I'm going to make a statement here, and I'm not trying to create controversy. I'm not trying to make anybody mad. I, this is just an opinion, right? This is just an observation. There was a time we could just have observations and opinions and not argue over them, right? This is just my observation. Nobody's right or wrong. This is just my opinion. As I have observed Easter egg hunts lately, the eggs aren't hidden. Has anybody else noticed this? Like they're just spread out all over the ground, right? And, and our egg this afternoon, uh, after the Lamb of service, they'll probably just be spread out all out in the open, okay? It's probably the way we're going to do it. That seems to be the way things are done. Eggs are no longer in the top of a tree where you have to climb to find them. Like they're not deep down in a bush where it's camouflaged and you can't see it. They're not in some dark, scary hole. Nobody risks, scrapes, 
or bruises or permanent scarring anymore. The way they used to in the good old days of Easter egg hunts. And, and I don't know if it's the kids. or I mean, one, one explanation is kids are just different these days, right? We're, we're soft on them. We're, we kind of coddle them. We don't want them to get hurt. And, and maybe that's it. Right? Maybe it's the kids, or maybe it's the parents. Hey, part of me thinks that parents just want to get it over with as fast as possible. Right? Can we just get this over with and get back inside and watch the basketball tournament, right? or, or the golf tournament, or can we eat some more or, or take our nap? If we just lay them out where everybody can see them, It'll last maybe five minutes and we can all go back inside. So I don't know. You can tell me what your explanation is. Is it the kids or is it the adults? But I find there's just no gamesmanship really in egg hunts anymore. There's no strategy at all. But theoretically, egg hunts are about searching and finding. You have to look for something. <laughs> These days, you don't have to look very hard. But you have to look for something and find it. That's what, that's what Easter is kind of about. Kind of about. It's, it's searching, looking for things. Now, the term Easter egg has taken on another connotation. Separate from Easter, it doesn't have to have anything to do with Easter. The phrase Easter egg now means any hidden surprise, any little clue or image that's maybe in the background of something that you weren't expecting, like a, a surprising find that's hidden, and, and, and some people see it and some people don't see it. Again, it doesn't have to be related to Easter itself, but we call those Easter eggs now. A current example. Don't know if you're keeping up with the Mars rover uh, that's currently on Mars, sending back images, uh, getting ready to launch its own drone helicopter and fly around Mars and send back more pictures. Fascinating, a fascinating thing that's happening. But the Mars rover, uh, called Perseverance, has its own Easter eggs with it. Maybe you've seen this reported in the news. In order to get to the surface, they had to parachute the rover down to the Mars surface. But the, 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 the people at Jet Propulsion Labs, who are the really smart people who figured out all the mechanics of how we're going to do this, they needed to know the orientation of the rover as it descended. And so they decided, rather than just put an arrow, which is probably what I would have done, like a Sharpie, this way, or a compass or something, they decided to have a little fun. So as the Mars rover descended, there was a camera shooting up on the underside of the parachute, straight up, and they put this Easter egg underneath the uh, parachute. They hid a message in binary code, right, for all the geeks in the house. Binary code, of course, I read binary code. They teach you that sort of thing in seminary. That's why you go, no, I can't read this at all. Uh, in the center, it says, dare great things in binary code. Those of you binary code people, dare great things, which is a quote from a Teddy Roosevelt speech. Dare great things. And then the outer ring 
is the GPS coordinates of the Jet Propulsion Lab in California. So right before they launched the rover to, to parachute down, they had a press conference and they said, we've hidden some surprises. Let us know if you find them. If you solve them, show your work. This was the first one. Then they decided, um, many of you have on the back of your vehicle, you have like the little family picture, like the stick people, all of your kids and your husband, wife, dog, whatever. You, you got your little family picture on the back of your vehicle. They put one of those on Perseverance, the, the rover Perseverance, and it is of all of the rovers since they started sending them to Mars. So they got the little rover family connected to the Perseverance rover. And so they've hidden all these little things that they hope people will see and will enjoy and will increase interest in the expedition. That's, that's what an Easter egg is. It's a little hidden clue all throughout uh, a particular project in this case. Probably the more famous ones, maybe the ones you know more about, have to do with movies. This happens in movies all the time. Little hidden messages or clues. Sometimes the Easter eggs foreshadow what's about to come. For example, this is a throwback classic. You've got to be a certain age to understand this one. This is uh, The Godfather. Apparently in The Godfather, oranges are an Easter egg that somebody's about to get whacked. Right? Any scene that has an orange or an orange peel or an orange slice, somebody's holding an orange, that person's not going to be in the movie very much longer. Okay? Little Easter egg, little clue, little hidden sign, little hidden signal. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, another one, based on a story by George Lucas, who also wrote the stories for the original Star Wars. So movies sometimes refer to other movies with Easter eggs. This is um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. In the hieroglyphics, when he first finds the Ark of the Covenant, is R2-D2 and C-3PO. Anybody ever seen that? Yeah, see, you learned something by coming to church. Look at there. Nothing important, but you learned something. Uh, one of the other hieroglyphics in the background is of uh, a reference to Princess Leia putting the plans for the Death Star into R2-D2 and C-3PO. So there's, there's, there's this sort of cross image of Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark um, because both connected to George Lucas. Obviously, Harrison Ford was in both of them. W one more, and we'll move on. Uh, to something else. This was in Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom. You see the name of the club? Club Obi-Wan. Again, a reference to Star Wars. This is what we mean primarily today about uh, when we talk about Easter eggs. These little things you didn't expect and little hidden images. And, and some of them are obvious. Like the Club Obi-Wan, a lot of people probably saw that one. The R2-D2-C-3PO, probably nobody saw that one. Often these Easter eggs, you don't see them the first time through. You don't recognize them. You're, you're paying attention to something else. There's so many other things that are happening in the movie that your eye's not drawn to this little clue in the background. And, and so for many of them, you wouldn't notice them the first time. Some of them, you wouldn't notice them how, no matter how many times you watch the movie, unless you slowed it down frame by frame and searched 
all within the movie, or it's 2021 if you went to YouTube and pulled up the video that told you all the secrets, then you would know it. But typically, you don't see these in the moment. They just go by too fast. I wonder, we think about the Easter story. I wonder if the disciples ever wished they could go back and watch the movie again. I wonder if the people who were present on Palm Sunday, the people who were present on Good Friday, the people who were present at the crucifixion, I wonder if they sat around years later and said, oh, do you remember he said that? Oh, do you remember when this happened? Or or if they ever looked at one another and said, how did we miss that? It was so clear and we didn't see it in the moment. There were so many things that happened Holy Week They didn't see until they looked back. For example, Jesus trying to leave Easter eggs, very clear Easter eggs for his followers. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 18 and 19 said, We're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day... He will be raised to life. Like Jesus said this periodically to his disciples. This is what's going to happen. And you know how his disciples always responded. They responded in one of two ways. They either said, Jesus, stop talking like that. That's not, I'm not going to let that happen. That was Peter's role. I would never let that happen. Or they responded by saying, what in the world is Jesus talking about? What is he talking? What he was talking about is he was going to be handed over to his accusers and flogged and crucified, and he was going to die and rise again on the third day. He was very clear with his Easter eggs, and they missed it. So, So here we are again at Holy Week, and we're on the front end here. On Palm Sunday. And there will be a lot of things happening this week. There will be a lot of things in the movie of your life this week. Just at our church. We have services and egg hunts and sunrise service and activities. Just in our church there's a lot. And then in your life there's a lot going on. Some of you are getting ready for spring break. You're trying to wrap up all the last things for, as you head into spring break. There are all these things that are happening in the movie of our lives. And if we're not careful, we'll get all the way to the credits and we will have missed what God wanted for us this week. Here's what's true. In life, like in the movies, we often miss important details because of the speed of the action. We often miss what is most important, what would give us the greatest clues about the most important things because life and movies just go by too fast. Again, I don't mean to be that guy. I know I sound like the old guy, but maybe somebody else feels this way too. Is there just a lot going on in movies today? I know it's been a while since we've been in theaters. You remember we used to do that. There's just a lot going on in like current movies, Especially the superhero type, like the explosions and the changes of camera perspective and, and, and the car chases and the battles and the, the, the fighting. And for me, again, I'm the old guy, I, I get it, but, but for me, it's hard to know what's going on. At the end of the battle, I know who won. 
Right? That person's alive and everybody's dead. Obviously, they won. But the 30 minutes of the battle that they create in the movie, I have no idea what's going on. It's just pyrotechnics and crashes, especially the superhero type movies. Like I, I get it. The, this person won, but everything else is so blurry. And now you have the 3D glasses that you have to wear usually with those movies as well. So you're trying to keep your glasses on and you're trying to figure out where to look and how you should be looking and stuff is coming at you. Movies have become this barrage of stimuli, constant stimuli. And it's hard to really tell what's going on. Sometimes life is like It's just this barrage of stimuli. Just one thing after the other that we're trying to keep up with. And then we run into this annual moment, this annual moment of spiritual significance that compels us to look beyond all of the crashes and explosions going on in our life. That compels us to look beyond the frantic pace that we live most weeks and slow down and remember that something of eternal significance happened and we celebrated this week. Something that changes everything happened this week. As we come to the beginning of Holy Week, we're coming to the end of Lent and and uh, Lent is practiced by some some religious people, more liturgical, traditional uh, type of churches will practice Lent. Maybe you practice it personally. It's not commanded in the Bible, but uh, for some people, they, they find it to be spiritually meaningful to fast or to do without something for the six and a half weeks leading up to Easter. It's, it's a, a proactive way, perhaps, to, to take something off the screen of our life. I'm going to do without this so that I see more clearly what God is trying to say to me. I'm going to disengage from this for a period of time so there's less distraction in my life. And it's not too late for that. Because we, as we head towards Easter, it's not too late to take just the next seven days and say, there's a lot going on. I need to take some things out of the movie for the next week. So that I can be with Jesus, I can hear from Jesus, I can worship Jesus, I can be reminded of the significance of this moment. Here's how Matthew describes Palm Sunday in chapter 21 of Matthew. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with their colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Matthew's quoting Zechariah 9.9. 500 years before Jesus ever showed up, Zechariah gives an Easter egg, right? He says that this is, this is how it's going to work. Jesus, Messiah, is going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, not on a powerful horse. He, he wasn't showing up that day as a conquering hero. 
He wasn't showing up that day demanding that everybody acknowledge him and bow down to him and, and enthrone him as their king and as their ruler. He was going to come lowly and humbly, meek. He was going to come to dispense grace and love, not power, not to conquer people, but to love people. And the people missed it that day, even though they'd been given clues, even though the prophets for generations had said, this is what it's going to be like. This is who he's going to be. This is how he's going to serve. They missed it. And they missed it largely because they were expecting the opposite of who Jesus was. They were expecting this conquering hero. They were, they were expecting strong and brash and someone who would kick the Romans out. They, they were expecting this power to come, and yet all of the prophetic Easter eggs said, no, he's not coming that way. He's coming humbly. He's coming to serve. He's coming meek and lowly. He's coming to know you, to meet you, to give grace to you. See, here's the challenge we all face to some degree. We expect the Jesus we've created in our minds. When we think of Jesus, we expect a Jesus, and often it's the Jesus we've created in our mind. We have a movie in our minds of who Jesus is. We have a story in our minds of who Jesus is and what he came to do and what he will do for me and what he will do in my life. The, the problem is that image is sometimes based on inaccurate ideas. Even though we've had all these clues, even though in the New Testament we have the teachings of Jesus, the person of Jesus, and yet, like the crowd on the first Palm Sunday, we've often predecided who Jesus is supposed to be, what Jesus is supposed to do, and, and, and often that Jesus is just a copy of everything I already think. I think Jesus is going to be a copy of everything I already think about the world and about people. Sometimes the Jesus we create in our mind is just the Jesus that loves the same things we love and hates the same things we hate and is on the same side of issues that we're on and supports the same causes that I support. We've sometimes created an, an image of Jesus that really isn't Jesus. It's just my views superimposed onto Jesus, and that's what I call my religion, as I worship a Jesus that just reflects everything that I already think. That this is the crowd on Palm Sunday. The crowd on Palm Sunday sees Jesus as a way to escape their current political situation. To, to escape a government that they didn't like, they disagreed with, and a government that didn't really like them, a government that disagreed with them. That part is true. But their image of a Savior, of a Messiah, was someone who would fight that government for us. They had this image of a powerful, conquering ruler. But in reality, Jesus wasn't that at all. Jesus had not even come to fight that battle. He was a servant. He was humble. He came riding on a donkey. Not to fulfill 
the personal wishes of the crowd to fulfill the agenda of his father. See, his father had sent him to write, to put right the sins of the world once and for all. That was his mission. That was his agenda. That was his only mission. That was his only agenda. To fulfill the agenda of his father to be a sacrifice for the sins of the world, for you and me. He, he had not come to get distracted by other battles. What broke his heart was not the government that they were under. What broke his heart is that his own people didn't even understand what he had come to do. This is Luke chapter 19, another telling of Palm Sunday. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace... But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming. Jesus is foretelling 70 A.D. when the Romans destroy Jerusalem, destroy the temple. He's foreshadowing what's to come. But the, the tragedy, what breaks Jesus' heart is not the destruction of the city. It's not the destruction even of the temple or the walls. What breaks his heart is that his people didn't see him for who he was. Like in, the, in this crowd... On Palm Sunday, people were singing his praises, but they didn't know him. They didn't understand him. They were, they were participating in this moment of, of, of hero worship and waving palm branches and putting palm branches in front of him and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. They were swept up into this moment, but Jesus knows it, it causes him to weep at the end of this ride. Jesus knows they don't even understand why I'm here. They, they don't even see that I'm not here to fight all of the lesser battles they think are so important, I've come to set them free from sin. Right? The reason Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD is because they kept fighting this battle with the Roman government. They kept trying to revolt against the Roman government. They, they kept creating problems between themselves and the Roman government instead of understanding the Messiah that we follow is not here to fight those battles. He's here to set us free spiritually. Tony Evans, pastor in, uh, in Texas, famously said, many people quote him, he said, Jesus did not come to take sides, he came to take over. He didn't come to take side. He didn't come to reflect your opinion or my opinion. He didn't come to reflect your side or my side about lesser issues related to this world. He came to be God over everything, over your life and my life. And, and here's the reality. If we miss the reason Jesus actually came, we spend our lives fighting all the wrong battles. 
if we miss why he came, to spiritually set us free, to make us new in Christ, to give us eternity, and then to unleash us to go tell others about this good news. If, if that is not our priority, then we spend our whole lives fighting lesser battles, things that aren't going to matter ultimately, things that aren't going to matter in eternity for sure. This is what happens to the Jewish people. They keep fighting all the wrong battles because they didn't clearly see Jesus as Messiah. And as they're fighting these battles, Jesus sits relatively unnoticed. Jesus sits in the background often. He doesn't storm his way to the front of the movie. He doesn't storm his way to the front of your life. He doesn't kick the doors in. He just offers himself. He offers a relationship with himself. He offers his grace. He offers his love. He offers eternal life to us. So in this week that we embark on, this holy week is about a God who became human to set us free from our sins. And nothing else about this life remotely rivals that as the most important thing. Nothing else. What, what you don't want to happen, what I don't want to happen, is I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and realize I missed all the important things because I was fighting so many lesser battles. Like I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize I was busy with a lot of things. The movie was action-packed. There was a barrage of stimuli all throughout my life and all throughout the movie. But there was Jesus in the background the most important part of this life and the next life. And, and I didn't give myself to him in the way that I should. I didn't surrender myself to him. You see, Jesus, Jesus hasn't come to just sort of be in the shadows of your life or my life. Jesus didn't live and die and rise again just to be in the wings of the movie of your life, the movie of my life. He came to be the central character. He came to be the one that everything else is about for you, the priority, the center, the greatest prize of your life to be Jesus. So I ask you, what are you looking for this Easter? What are you searching for? What are you expending energy trying to attain, trying to find that even if you find it, is not going to be the eternal satisfaction that you think it is? There is only one who can satisfy in that way, and his name is Jesus. Whatever's happening in your life right now, whatever scene you're in, whatever the movie looks like, 
There is nothing more important in your life than this person, Jesus, who came and lived and died and rose again. And every year at this time, we celebrate that because it's real, because it happened, because nothing matters more to your life and your eternity than your relationship with Jesus. Look, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, if you've never put your faith in Christ, if the movie's been going by really fast and there's never been a moment where you stopped and said, I want to give everything to Jesus. I want to trust Him for everything. I want Him to be my Messiah. This is the day to do that. This is the day to surrender everything to Jesus. God, I, I pray for us as we step into this Holy Week here on Palm Sunday, I pray for us that the movie of our life is not going by so quickly that we're missing the most important part. Not just that we show up, not just that we attend worship. The, the crowd on Palm Sunday attended worship, but they missed Jesus. The crowd on Palm Sunday, they sang the songs and they chanted the verses, but they missed Jesus. God, help us to stop today. Help us to slow down today. All of the action and, and busyness and plans and goals. <clears throat> help us to make sure we don't miss Jesus today. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.